Amen. At this time, the children from kindergarten through sixth grade would be dismissed for Children's Church. And uh, once again, thank you, Dan, for leading us in worship this morning as we celebrated the King of Glory and look to him. In your bulletin, there are some uh, sermon notes if you desire to uh, take some notes and follow along in that way. Uh, There will be uh, some fill-ins in those, and there will be some uh, larger notes. If you're an extra note-taker, that will be on the screen during our time. I invite you to open a Bible, if you have one with you, to the book of Luke, to Luke chapter 9. So if you find Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, Luke chapter 9. We'll be looking at uh, that as one of our key scriptures. There'll be a couple others that will be on the screen this morning today. Um, As we mentioned a couple of times this morning already, today starts the 40 days of prayer. We did this last year. Last year was a little different. The first several weeks were online. And then uh, I think for the majority of the 40 days of prayer, we actually were not largely in person due to COVID and different things. So this will be good to be able to do 40 days of prayer year two together. Um, And one of the neat things about 40 Days of Prayer is it's not just with our church family, but it's also with our larger Alliance family. And so uh, Alliance family all around the United States and even in international workers in various parts of the world are participating in this 40 Days of Prayer. And so uh, we're going to be walking through. And one of the themes, the, the, the key theme of this 40 Days of Prayer is awakening or reawakening. And so today we start with the theme, on this theme of reawakening, with reawakening to the glory of Christ. I don't know if you've ever been like me, you probably have somewhere along the way. I seem to find this happening to me quite a bit, being asleep and then waking up only to kind of doze back off to sleep. Anybody there with me? Yeah, that waking up, dozing off, back to sleep, but kind of being in that little middle ground where you're, you've dozed back off, but you're also kind of awake. It's that weird kind of place to be. And, and so when I think of reawakening and specifically think of reawakening to the glory of Christ, the truth is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you once were asleep. You once were spiritually asleep, spiritually dead, the Bible calls it to Jesus. You were separated from him. And when you came to Christ, you were awakened. You were given new birth. The Holy Spirit brought to life what was dead. What was a, You were asleep. Now you are awake. You're alive. You're awake in Christ. But what can happen in our own spiritual journey with the Lord, you know, especially coming out of Christmas, things are so wild and crazy and busy. But there's times when we may spiritually kind of doze off. Or there may be areas that we're way awake in the Lord and in other areas we don't realize it, but need to be reawakened. And so as we're walking through these 40 days of prayer and specifically looking today, that we would be reawakened to the glory of Christ. We sang about that in a number of ways this morning as we worshiped King Jesus. Reawakened to the glory of Christ. One of the neat things that I love about this 40 days of prayer, uh, I don't usually do this, but there are sermon kind of ideas, outlines that are given to us that we can then personalize. And so 
I've decided during 40 days of prayer because other Alliance pastors are using these outlines. I'm going to use it too. So we're all really joining together. And so this morning I use an outline from Dr. Amy Redding and then personalizing it, filling in uh, some areas that the Lord really impressed upon me during this time. So reawakening to the glory of Christ. Three questions that we want to look at this morning three questions. The first question is this, is a reawakening possible for our generation? Is a reawakening possible for our generation? To really understand this idea of reawakening, we need to understand what an awakening is. The definition of reawakening or reawaken is from the Oxford Dictionary to emerge or cause to emerge again to emerge or cause to emerge again with reference to a feeling or state. Collins Dictionary says it's a renewal of a feeling or interest. In either definition, both definitions, awaken, reawaken is a verb. It's an action. It's not a a thing. It's an action. It's a verb. Historically, as we look at the church, there have been times in church history that we refer to as awakenings, such as the first great awakening or the second great awakening in the United States or the the spiritual resurgence that happened under Moody and Sankey and Spurgeon in both the U.S. and in England in the late 19th century. These times were characterized with a deep hunger for Jesus with a deep hunger for his presence, a deep hunger for his word, a yearning and a longing for the fullness of his spirit and a passion for the gospel. But what is assumed in these awakenings is that the previous period of time in history is a time of sleep. A time of a lack of a deep hunger for the presence of Jesus. A time where the word of God was not honored or was not hungered after. A time when the spirit has not been moved, moving because of grieving or rebellion against his spirit. Where the gospel has not been valued. I don't know about you, but I I believe that in many ways in our culture and our, our country today, that that would describe our country. Of a time where... Our culture is spiritually asleep. And where the church is spiritually asleep. So what is an awakening? And then how does an awakening come? Awakening begins with personal reformation in our private lives. That's where it begins. And so that's why we together as a family want to individually and corporately go on this journey together of 40 days of prayer. Because personal reformation, personal awakening begins in our private lives through spiritual disciplines. And one of the key spiritual disciplines is repentance. And so throughout church history, we have seen, especially in some of these great, late, late, uh, great awakenings, awakening begins with renewal. It's a fresh energy that comes first into us personally. And then as it comes personally, it then begins to spill out corporately. The prophet Habakkuk wrote about it this way in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. And he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. Do you hear that? 
Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Now renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. The people of Israel were going through various discipline, but Lord, I have heard of your fame. Lord, I haven't seen it. I've heard of your deeds. Oh Lord, would you renew that in our day, in our time? Would you do it again? And so renewal begins personally with fresh energy, with fresh hunger, with fresh desire in response to the Lord. And this is a an invitation from the Lord at the beginning of this new year and this 40 days of prayer. It's an invitation from the Lord for us to say, yes, we, we, wanna, we want awakening. We want reawakening. We want fresh energy in our spiritual lives to begin 2022. When renewal happens individually, then it begins to happen corporately, which then leads to, once that renewing work is being done, leads to revival. And revival is the acceleration of the work of the Spirit in us and in His church. So it starts, it's, it starts like almost a little bit of a bubbling. It, it, it's kind of like old faithful in a bit, in the sense that it starts to rumble underneath the surface. And individual lives begin to be stirred, and the corporate body of the church begins to be, spur, be spurred. On And there's awakening, there's hunger, there's desire for God, there's desire for the Spirit, there's desire for the Word. When these things begin to happen, we begin to see ourselves in light of who God is, and repentance begins to be our action, our response of, oh, God, have mercy on me, because we begin to, to see Him for who He is, and us for who we are, and repentance begins to mark us. We begin to hunger and thirst after prayer. And then revival begins to happen it begins to spur out, begins to spray all over the place. The Spirit of God accelerates it. It's a work of the Spirit that accelerates it. It's like, it's like gasoline on the fire that's already there. Renewal is the fire is being started and now gasoline comes and it really ignites. That's revival. It's a spiritual thing that the Spirit does on a work that's already being started. Which then leads to awakening. Awakening is what God is doing in the church, spilling out into the culture, and the world is changed. Notice it's not the culture getting it together. <laughs> so often, you know, and I, and I believe this is our this is one of the great sins of the American church is that we've gotten this backwards. We've tried to fix the culture. We've tried to get the culture to change. Rather than saying, Lord, would you begin renewal in me? Lord, would you revive the church? And as he does that, it spills out into the culture and the culture begins to go, whoa, we want that. And now no one is saying by laws or by this or that, hey, we got to change it. We want this. We see it in the church. We see it in the church. We see it in the church and we want what that is. That's awakening. John Tyson has a great message on this. I can get you the, uh, the YouTube link. It'd be worth your time watching. It stirs up this hunger for it. But, but he talks about revival in the Hebrides, which is up in like 
Ireland and all that, that, that happened a number of years ago. And the church, there was a small group that began to pray and God began to do this. And they called this pastor to just preach and he preached. And there were just amazing things that were happening in the church. And all of a sudden they'd have these four, five, six hour services of preaching, of prayer, of repentance. God was just moving. The spirit was moving in their midst. And all of a sudden they would hear noise. This was happening in various towns all in the region. They would hear noise outside and they'd look and there'd be four, five, six hundred people from the town saying, we don't know why, but we know we need God. Tell us. We don't know why. And bars closed and all the illegal, I mean, crime virtually ended because there was mass conversion, not because anybody said you need to stop doing that, but because the church responded to the renewal and the revival that God was doing in their midst. And people just said, we want what this is. And we don't even know why. And there were people that were just radically changed. That's what awakening is. It starts in the church and it spills out into the culture. How's awakening come? Brothers and sisters, could it be that an awakening to the glory of Christ in our own lives it's what is what is necessary first to bring about the next great awakening in our world? And could we pray together over these next 40 days that the glory of Christ will fall on our lives in a way that we've never experienced before, that it will fall on our church in a way that we've never experienced before, and then from that, that it will spill out into the culture around us. Is a reawakening possible for our generation? Awakenings are characterized by a renewed sense of the glory of Christ. A key passage that we see this happen is in Luke chapter 9, in verses 28 through 36. If, I would, if you would follow along with me as I would read Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. This is Luke's account of the transfiguration of Jesus. It says, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. This is the king of glory, his flesh being glorified in that moment. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus, and they spoke about his departure, which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Pay attention to verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. He was just so overwhelmed by this. He was like, let's build some houses for you guys so we can hang out. That wasn't what was needed. Isn't that how it is sometimes when we see God? We're like, oh, we got, how do we contain it? How, what do we do with this? Just need to stand in awe of Jesus. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Can you imagine this? A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son 
whom I have chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. And the disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. You see verse 32? Peter and his companions were very sleepy. They were very sleepy. Now, it's likely that they were physically asleep. It's also possible that the Lord put them to sleep so that this conversation could happen there. One way or another, they were not awake. But Luke says, when they became fully awake, what did they see? They saw his glory. And Moses and Elijah standing with him. They saw his glory. You know, there's, just as there was a physical slumber for them, there's a spiritual slumber sometimes in our lives. And I believe there's a spiritual slumber in our land today that has engulfed us, that needs to be reawakened. And the way that we reawaken is when we see, as Peter and John, Peter, James, and John, when, they, when we see the glory of Christ. Nothing will awaken us like the glory of Christ. A couple of years ago, there was a, a documentary that was shown here called Sheep Among Wolves. And it's a documentary of the church in Iran, which is the fastest growing church in the world. And just amazing stories of what God was, was doing, is doing in that country, bringing Muslims to himself. And in the midst of it all, there's great persecution against the church because, you know, this is a very hard line uh, leadership. And so anything to do with Christianity would be imprisonment or death. And so there were many who were coming to Christ knowing that they could face the ultimate cost, death or imprisonment. But yet they were solid and faithful in their commitment to the Lord. It's interesting, one woman gave an account of how her life was in serious jeopardy. She was either going to be killed or could be thrown into prison. And she got the opportunity to escape Iran and come to the United States. Now, many of us would say, okay, praise the Lord. He saved her. He got her here. And so she gave the testimony of a time that she was here and all of the the freedoms and the ease and the comfort that we have here in our land and free from the persecution, free from the threat of death, the threat of of prison there in Iran. And she said, after a while, she's like, I have to go back. I have to go back to Iran. And the reason was, she said, there is a satanic lullaby here in this country that that is putting me to sleep spiritually. Listen to those words. From someone who had the opportunity to come here, chose to go back because there she had to be so awakened to the glory of Christ to stay faithful to him. She came here and she said there is a satanic lullaby that is putting people to sleep. It's one thing to come from a place into it. You recognize it. 
And it's a total other thing to live in it all the time. You don't recognize it. Friends, I think these are great encouragements to us to be reawakened, that we have the need to be reawakened to the glory of Christ. These next two questions will give us some ways to be able to do that. The first is, oh, got so excited, forgot to say Ephesians 5.14 says, For it's light that makes everything visible. And this is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Friends, understand who this is being written to. It's being written to the church. This is being written to believers. This is not to being written to those who are not believers. This is the church in Ephesus, believers. Light makes everything visible. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. We need it. We need it. We need it. So what's the role? Two, two ways to accomplish this. What's the role of theology and orthodox teaching in reawakening? We say, boy, those are some big words there. But what is the role of teaching, of theology and teaching in reawakening? So just to give you, for some of you, this is going to be like, okay, I don't really care about this, but you'll understand why. I'll share this in a second. In our movement, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, there's for new workers, there is what's called an accreditation process for those who are moving into full-time ministry in a local church or in church planting or that are going to be going overseas as international workers one day. And as you're going through that process, there's a doctrinal questionnaire, a long doctrinal questionnaire, and an interview that happens. And one of the central focuses of the doctrinal questionnaire that these workers have to complete is it's about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because what we believe about Jesus is absolutely key and essential to our faith. There are lots of foundational Christ-centered questions, things about like, uh, what scriptural evidence is there that Jesus is both fully God and fully man? And then in all of it is how does this affect your faith? Not just what's the right answer, but how does this affect your faith? And so Mara has been working on that. Um, and she's submitted all that good stuff. She's done her whole doctrinal questionnaire. So I decided to ask Mara if she would come and share just a little bit about that whole experience of filling out that doctrinal questionnaire and how it helped her to become awakened to the glory of Christ in a new way. So, Mary, if you'd come. Um, yes, I just filled out this very, very long doctrinal questionnaire. And to be completely honest with you guys, um, previous to this, I have always thought of theology and, like, teaching and this kind of stuff. And I always looked at it as like, okay, definitely important for pastors, definitely important for theologians, authors, my friends who are a little bit more like intellectual than me. You know, all of those people, of course, they're going to want to dive into theology and orthodox teaching. But 
I know the Bible well enough, and I feel good with that, and I can just keep moving on. Um, So a full doctrinal questionnaire was a little bit intimidating. (laughs) I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, And so I actually wrote down some of my favorite questions, which I think might be a little bit of a repeat. But there were some about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and how should the church be operating, um, the importance of uh, like communion and baptism. But some interesting ones were explain your understanding of one God and existing eternally in three persons. How do you know that the Spirit and the Son are members of the Trinity? And where is evidence of Jesus as fully man and fully God? How is Christ our substitutional sacrifice? And what are proofs of his resurrection? And what I kept finding for each of these was I kind of knew the right answer. Like, I, I know that we serve one God who exists eternally in three persons. And then I would go to try and prove it, and I would be like, I don't even know how I know that. I don't know what I'm pulling that from. There's no verse where Jesus says, there's me, and then there's the Father, and then there's the Holy Spirit, and we're the Trinity. That doesn't exist in the Bible. Um, (laughs) And so I know the right answers, but I can't explain them. And so I kept going back to the Bible, and I kept pulling together all of these pieces from different areas. And as I did, it was so amazing because it was piece by piece, like God painting a picture of himself for me so that I could understand him in a better way. And so it went from being this chore that I, I didn't really want to do, but I had to do for my job to being something I was actually looking forward to because I kept having these little moments of revelation where God was revealing himself to me through his word. And it was so exciting. Um, And then after that, the question always kind of came to an end with, and how does this affect your spiritual walk? And if I didn't know before, I do now, that each of these tiny truths and these kind of theological details that we don't often think about, they can affect our walk in such a profound way. Um, I have a lot of friends who will say, it was, it was a feeling where I was saved all over again. And I've used that before, like, oh, when I realized like, the true meaning of Emmanuel, when it went from a, a head knowledge to a heart knowledge that we have a God who chose to walk with us, I knew Jesus, but I was saved all over again. I, and I guess it would probably better be put as that little reawakening. And it is that reawakening of your soul to just understanding a God who never changes, but as our understanding grows, we just get to know him better and better. And I went from not being at all interested in theology and orthodox teaching to actually being really excited to get to know it better. Um, And so I wanted to say that uh, theology and orthodox teaching, it's, um, it's not just for pastors and it's not just for missionaries, it's for everyone's relationship with God. And we are getting to know God better, which better conforms us into the image of Jesus. Because how can we be conformed into something that we don't know? Um, And then we can better reflect that image to the world around us. And thank you, Mara. Thank you very much. So I, I hope as you hear from Mara that it stirs a desire in you to really 
dig into the scriptures. Because the more we dig into the scriptures, the more we understand who he is. That these questions, theology, is not just for professional ministers (laughs) or international workers. They are for every single follower of Jesus. The more we know about him, as Mara said, the better we fall in love with him, the more we are aware of his glory, the more we become awakened and are conformed to his image and his likeness. In seminary, I found out that everyone is a theologian because theology is just the study of God. So if you have any concept of any belief about God, guess what? You're a theologian. The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? (laughs) And it's just about our hunger for him our hunger to know God and awakening. So in this new year, we're going to have opportunities after this 40 days of prayer to really delve into the scriptures together on journeys together. But I really encourage you, don't wait till after 40 days of prayer, get into the word together uh, and, and come awake as you come to see him for who he is and wrestle with those questions. Because the more you wrestle with the questions, the more you see him for who he is and you're like, wow. This is our God. This is who Jesus is. So what is the role? It's absolutely critical. The more we understand who he is, the more we are awakened to his glory. Last question on how do we walk in this awakening, this reawakening? What we believe about the person and work is key. What we believe will affect our faith and spiritual walk. Third, do you desire to see the glory of Christ? That's the question the beginning of 40 days of prayer, that's really the question. Do you desire, do you desire to see the glory of Christ? Because as we collectively spend time reawakening to Christ, there are going to be some things that we can do to experience the glory of Christ together. The word was one of them. The second one is prayer, which seems fitting, seeing that we're going 40 days of prayer. Back in 1904, God used a missionary by the name of John Hyde to fuel a reawakening. And his prayer life specifically inspired a group of missionaries in their own prayer lives. And these missionaries became members of what was called the Punjab Prayer Union. And in this prayer union, they were invited and they were asked to follow five simple yet searching prayer principles. I want to put them up. Uh, They were collected in a book by uh, the name of Raymond Edmond called They Found the Secret. These five principles I think are encouraging and challenging for us. Here they are. These questions were, are you praying for a quickening? And a quickening was an early 1900s kind of phrase that came about it's a, a, like awakening. It's a hunger. It's a desire. Are you praying for a, an awakening, a hunger, a desire in your own life, in the life of your fellow workers and in the church? Are you praying for this? Second, are you longing for greater power of the Holy Spirit in your own life and work? And are you convinced Listen to that second part. Are you convinced that you cannot go on without his power? Are you at a place 
an awakening before the Lord where you'd say, I, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too big. Unless, unless the spirit is poured out upon me, unless there is more. There's been seasons in my life where I came to, where I just had to say, I can't do any more unless I have more. What is asked of me is too much. I can't do it unless I have more. Will you pray that you may not be ashamed of Jesus? Will you pray that you may not be ashamed of Jesus? Fourth, do you believe that prayer is the great means for securing the spiritual awakening? Not in, yeah, I agree, but by my practice, by my action. Does my belief, is it evidenced in my action? You know, we have prayer meeting on Sunday night. It's an opportunity to be able to exercise that. Our personal prayer lives are opportunities to exercise that. Our second, mon- or second Wednesday of the, of the month, nights of worship and prayer are opportunities to exercise that. If those things don't work in your schedule and calendar, you're going and very, gather people and say, will you pray with me? Friends, I, I, I'm more... I am more concerned that we are a prayer-saturated hunger for God church than is every single meeting are you here. I would love for you to be at every single meeting. If your schedule can make you, allow you to be at every single meeting, you'd be at every single meeting. (laughs) But I would hunger for more and I would desire for us more to be a prayer-saturated church that when you think of church, you think that's where I pray. Those are the people I pray with. And it may be that I gather with them on Zoom or it may be the only way we're going to work this is we get this on a a group FaceTime or we group call or we meet during the the week. We gather together with a group of people in the morning because it works for us. I've gathered these people, but we are seeking God together. We are praying together because prayer is the means. Prayer is the means for securing the spiritual awakening. And will you set apart, this is what they came up with, will you set apart one half hour each day as soon after noon as possible to pray for this awakening? And are you willing to pray till the awakening comes? Friend, I, so, so when you see this, I want you to understand this is more descriptive than prescriptive. Okay, so the difference in prescriptive says, This is the way we're going to do it. Every single person that says yes to this, at noon, you're going to pray for at least a half hour. If that works, that's great. But what are the the ways? These are the things that they said yes to. And you know, you may gather some people together and say, we want to go after this together. And you may come up with five of them that are very similar, but they are specific to you. If you're in a discipleship group or a missional small group, you may say, what does this look like for us? How are we going to go after this thing together? at the leading of the spirit. The, the point is all five of these point to one thing, desire. They longed for it. They hungered for it. They wanted the glory of Christ and they were convinced that prayer, that prayer was absolutely essential for that awakening to come.
So brothers and sisters, one of our great desires as we seek Christ during these 40 days is that we would, each of us, see Jesus for who he is. For who he is. In all of his glory. In all of his wonder. That the king of glory that we sang about, that our eyes would be open, that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see him for who he is. In all of his glory. And that that awakening would spell out into our church and then would spell out into our culture that reawakening would come. And so on this first day of 40 days of prayer, may it be our heart's cry. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to see the glory, to see the glory of Christ, to see the glory of Christ. Dan's going to come and lead us in a closing song. I just want to pray blessing over us as he would come. The apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of their hearts would be opened. And so I just want to pray that over us. And then we're going to sing a song that gives words to that, that can be our word to the Lord. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts because I want to see you. I want to see Jesus. So would you stand with me as uh, we would prepare to sing this closing song? But I just want to pray blessing over us together. And so, Father, at the beginning of this 40 days of prayer, as we kick off a new year, God, 2021 has been difficult in many ways. There's been things we celebrate. There's been things that we we grieve. But, Father, we step into this new year and we say, Lord, we desire to see Jesus in a way that we haven't seen him before, that there would be an awakening, a reawakening that would come to our own lives, to our families, to our small groups and discipleship groups, to our church family as a whole that would spill into our community around us. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. Oh God, I pray that you would not allow us to be comfortable with what we have known of you already. Oh Jesus, I pray that we would not live on what you have done for us in the past. But like Habakkuk, we would say we've heard. and We remember what you've done. But would you do it again? Would you do something new? Father, may your word be alive in the hearts and in the minds of my brothers and sisters and all of us. May we see Jesus in the word in ways that we have not seen him before. May there be new discoveries of his glory, of his goodness, of his person, of his work. May there be new discoveries of you, Holy Spirit, that would lead to transformation in our lives. And Father, I pray for desire, for want, for hunger, for hearts that would say, I can't go any further unless there's more from you. I thank you, Father, that you're a God who loves to meet us in those prayers. So Father, may you open the eyes of our hearts. May you give us the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation to know you better. May we come to know the incomparably great power that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That same power that raised Christ from the dead and exalted and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heaven, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion for the sake of us, your church. And so, Father, may eyes be opened, may ears be opened, may hearts be opened. May wisdom and revelation by your spirit be given to know Christ better. We pray for reawakening, reawakening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.